Sunday morning, it's 11 o'clock. This is Racing Debate. Matt Chapman alongside Holding, a whip consultation report that was launched this week. 20 recommendations that the BHA have approved, and we'll be looking at that in great detail throughout the course of the programme. Disqualification if you go four strikes over the allotted number. What impact will that have? Well, we'll be discussing that and getting the thoughts of a man who's been involved in similar whip discussions in the past. The former champion, Richard Hughes, joins us to give us his reaction to the steering group's recommendations that have been endorsed by the BHA. What impact will this have on the betting ring? Well, Simon Clare of Corals will join us to have a look at the uh, impact of the new whip rules. And elsewhere, 10 trainers had an unofficial boycott of a race at Newbury yesterday. We'll have a look at that and the implications for the industry going forward. But Matt, I'm sure the document you're holding is going to be the main talking point today. Well, I've been lucky enough to have four days off. I had time to go through the whole thing. It was great entertainment. Good. You always need a good book on holiday, and that's exactly what I had. Would you um, file it under comedy or fact or...? Um, neither of those two, to be quite frank. This is a huge issue, and this kind of show uh, allows a platform to give, I think, a serious other view to what we might be hearing quite a lot about over the last few days. OK, well, all that and more coming up here on Racing Debate. So welcome along to what promises to be Quite a lively programme. You're more than invited uh, all to get involved as well through the email racing at skysports.com or on Twitter. But before we launch into the whip review, Matt, let's just give yeah. people a reminder of exactly what was announced on Tuesday. There were recommendations that came from a steering group and the, they came up with uh, 20 recommendations to do with that implement, the ProCush whip. Now, these are going to be new rules introduced in the autumn of 2022. They introduce stiffer penalties for jockeys with the potential for disqualification and a change as well. The whip must only be used in the backhand position, so forehand gone and backhand only. So World Horse Welfare had started the ball rolling with this. The BHA picked up the baton and have come out with 20 recommendations that they've gone to the BHA. And surprisingly, I think the most surprising element is that they've taken all 20 and just accepted them without any sort of... Uh, discussion industry-wide? Well, they, they will say they have because they had this group of people, some of them highly respected by you and me, I'm sure. Um, probably most of them, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of them heroes of ours in that group. Um, this is a show where I'm going to be as calm as I can possibly be because I could so easily lose the complete plot over this. So I'm going to try and explain why I feel like I do during the show as we go on. And of course, we've got other uh, esteemed guests on the show as well. Um, so the rule changes, let's forget about those because for me, they are irrelevant. The disqualifications, the numbers, all that, forget about them for a moment. Okay. okay. So let's go back. Why are we here? So you've said that a body came forward and said they weren't happy. Racing reacted. Um, so for me, this is a, an instance where there is a total lack of confidence from those in charge in our great sport. And as one very highly respected person said to me yesterday, uh, and I did say to them, I'm going to use that and claim it for myself, but I'm not because I've already given it as someone else. 
their quote to me was, if every senior person in the sport doesn't have total confidence and belief in the fundamentals of what we are doing, it will disappear long before it is told to by other people outside. And I thought that was just... I mean, it was so good it could be in a museum somewhere, the horse racing museum, because it's, because it's all true. Because most of this, most of what we've heard from Samart Prescott, chuck them out, chuck them out, they won't do it. Ellsworth yesterday, don't disqualify him, give him big bans. Tom Scudamore, surprise, surprise, is in support. He was on the board. Everyone who was quoted almost immediately after this came out were on the committee. Well, it's not a great surprise that they're all in favour of this. None of them, not almost to a person, ever mentioned horse welfare. So forget about the changes for a minute. Let's get back to the facts. And let's go back a week, Martin, yep. to when Brant Dunshay was in that screen there. And I wanted an answer from him. Is the whip a welfare issue? Answer, wouldn't give me. Refused. Because, it, because you look at because, what they've said in there, it's about perception. in this document, there is not one, not, not one, not one, not one piece of scientific evidence that says that the whip harms a horse or doesn't harm a horse. So the BHA are in this massive no-man's land where they're trying to adjust something that they have literally not one single fact about. Um, well, if anything, on the other hand, the early stages of that report say that they believe the whip doesn't cause any significant harm to horses. Yes, that's what they say. Now, they have not one single bit of science to back that up. So the opposition to that, very, very quickly, is that, well, hold on, if you're saying the whip is fine, what evidence have you got to say it's fine? That's the argument that someone who is anti-whip is going to put up straight away. OK. Well, there are several counter-arguments to that. Yeah. But we can, we can come up with two or three very quick suggestions fairly easily, just with human common sense, mm. yeah? And, and with some things in the world, you do just have to use common sense. OK. Let's take fight or fright, like animals, that's the response, OK? Why do they do that? Well, that is what a horse does. So we know, how do we know it's the movement of the whip as much as the, the impact of the whip? Well, there has been science into that. A horse has had a, a, its back euthanized and the whip has been used on that euthanized back and the horse has responded to that and run faster with a jockey using a whip on a euthanized back. So we know factually, there is fact out there that a horse responds to the whip. But even, 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 but even the sound, if, if you had sound, someone behind whatever. you and whacked it, you automatically you would move, wouldn't yeah. you? You'd jump forward. The key factor for this is, I, I can't think, and obviously you can use extreme examples here, but I struggle to think of any instance with either a human or an animal where that human or animal is hurt and has nothing to show for it at all. Not a bruise, not a mark, nada. Well, in horse racing, since 2016, there have been five cases, five, of a horse having a wheel mark. We're not talking something catastrophic, bones broken, a wheel mark, five times in six years of tens of thousands of races. Now, of course, five times is too many. And we can say that forever. But we should be so proud of that figure. For me, number one here, 
five wheel marks in, since, in six years because there is nothing in here about welfare. And this whole situation should be about the horse. Now, we've got other guests coming on. I'll explain later what we could do. And rather than, rather than this, what we could have done, I will explain later. But that is essentially why this upsets me so far. Those at the top should be saying, we are proud of this sport. We are proud of the way we police it. And horses are beautifully looked after and do not hurt. Are not harmed. Okay, well, we can bring in another guest in a moment. Let's just uh, bring it up to date with the penalties, though, uh, that have been introduced. They have been upped, which I think at the beginning of the report, that's what World Horse Welfare was suggesting they wanted. But the whip rules then for one limit over. The old rule was a two-day ban. New rule is three, but for the bigger race is six. Two over, old rule, four-day ban. New rule, well, it's only one more, five, or the big race is ten. You go three over, so you're still breaking the whip rules. You're going to get a 14-day ban for the big races, seven elsewhere, and you go four over. Well, on the old rule, seven-day holiday, now disqualification. Big grey area, I think, that. But uh, let's get the thoughts of uh, former champion, now uh, trainer, Richard Hughes, who uh, joins us. Richard, good morning to you. Just give us your uh, reaction to the whip rules when you uh, read through this report. Um, morning, guys. How are you? Morning, Rich. Good, thank you. Uh, I'm very disappointed in the whole scenario. This is nearly as bad as the government going on about a tea party. We've bigger things in racing to be worrying about with four runners in every race than how many times we're hitting horses. That's what I think. And what do you make of the... Given you were very much involved when you were riding with the whip rule changes going back, what, 11 years or so, what do you make to the changes of the, of the guidelines for the penalties? The guys at the top I think it was a board of 12 people who sorted this out. William Buick or Ryan Moore, the two best jockeys in our country, to this, uh, currently riding, in my opinion, weren't even on the panel. These are the guys that should be asking that, and that no one are riding day in, day out. But the huge factor that everyone seems to be forgetting is we're hitting them with a designed whip that doesn't hurt them. And everyone seems to have forgotten that. We changed the whip to make it a pro-cushion whip that doesn't hurt them. It doesn't matter if you're hitting them 15 times or five times, it doesn't hurt them. And, and with that in mind, Richard, to what extent do you think the BHA are, are trying to uh, oppose uh, a minority that can't be opposed, whereas the general layperson wouldn't give it much thought whatsoever? I think they're changing the rules because they can't police what they've already got. I watched the race in Epsom last week and a jockey was sitting... 10 lengths off the leader sitting about 6th or 7th on a horse that did make the running. And he continued to hit it. He should have been dragged in and got two weeks. And I picked up the paper the next day just for a little look to see was he banned and nothing. Those are the guys that should be getting banned and policed. Horses shouldn't be getting hit when they're not in contention and aren't, don't have a chance. 100%. And they keep looking at them out the back and they're hitting the horses for patches and it's disgusting. And they shouldn't need to do that if, if we're trying to police our sport to make it look nice. And the guy that's in rhythm in front, that gives it seven or eight, riding beautifully in rhythm, that is good riding. But the guy that's at the back slapping it for, the, for no reason, he's the guy that should be, they should be challenging. And what about the, the, the change from the, if you're saying about making it look better, the, the change from the forehand to the backhand, can you see the sense in that? The people that are, are probably against the whip, they don't like seeing horses hit, they don't know which way you have your stick in your hand. 
And just you know, if you're still hitting a horse seven or eight times, and that's what they don't like, or supposedly anyway. But they will know no difference whether it's in the backhand or the forehand. That is just a, I don't know, cush, or I don't know, try, trying to keep them. I don't know what they're trying to achieve by that. Richard, can I just because you're from a horse loving family, it's not just you, it's your whole family throughout your whole life have been uh, associated with horses. Um, my feeling with this is if there was science that suggested the whip did hurt a horse, I would be the first to say I don't want anything to do with that. Is, is, is the problem that there is no science either way? So all of these changes, all of the whip consultation report can't prove anything. So, so it's just a group of people guessing. I, when I was a young fella, man, I rode out one morning for my dad and I gave a horse a couple of slaps behind the saddle that didn't need it, probably. He was acting a cold and I probably hit him too, too many and I, and I wheeled the horse. My dad kicked me around the box for five minutes and said, now, do you like it? And I'll never forget that. We, we love our horses. We don't hit them to hurt them. And I'd hate to think any jockey out there is hitting a horse to hurt him. We're hitting him the same way as any guy having a personal trainer is roaring at him when he's on a rowing machine or, or a, to keep the momentum up. You're encouraging the horse to stay faster for as long as you can. But you're not hurting them. Yeah. And there's no signs that we're hurting. If there, was, if there was evidence that we're hurting these horses, that's fine. And Richard, with the, the announcement this week, one of the big headlines was disqualification for going four over. Um, should horses be disqualified if jockeys go over the, the, the limits? British racing at the moment is in a huge mess. Like, our prize money is disgusting. Everywhere around the world, we're becoming a nursery. My two nicest horses in the yard at the moment are probably going to be sold for 350 grand. I can't convince my owners to keep them because it'll be wrong because they're never going to win 350 grand in prize money. So we're becoming a nursery in this country for horses to be sold. And the only way forward I see in our game is this whirlpool seems to be getting pretty strong. People in Hong Kong and Japan betting on our industry. If they see horses not getting the hit, they won't participate in betting. Yeah. And that's our only, I think, light at the end of the tunnel that that pool starts getting bigger. And it could really undermine as well their respect and belief in British racing if they're seeing horses being disqualified. Yes. Well, I, I, yeah. If they think that their horse is going to be disqualified, I, don't, I think that they won't bet on it. You know, what really troubled me, Richard, was this World Horse Welfare who were involved in instigating this review. And they said at the beginning of this, on page two or three, that they wanted severe or more severe penalties for jockeys. Yet they've come out on the back of a document they wanted to see and they've said, while we welcome this, it doesn't go far enough. We're clear we want to see a move away from the use of the whip for encouragement in horse racing on both welfare and ethical grounds. And I think that's quite a dangerous statement, given the BHA have already gone to them and responded to their, um, their wantings. Well, in America and Hong Kong and Japan, I think the whip rules, they don't have numbers over there, do they? I think they might, I don't, well, they might have a higher America. number or but we're in grave danger of losing the whip. Mm. And I think saying only backhand and not forehand, I really don't know what they're trying to achieve. I think police it better. And there should be probably one man in the BHA looking at every jockey. They're probably road, I don't know. And police, have one man policing it. 
And if you see the fella that constantly is not using his whip in a correct manner, you haul them in, you have a word, and they're under a serious suspension if they continue to ride the way they are. Okay. It's not that hard to work out. One guy looking at a television screen all day watching every race. Okay, Richard, that's good stuff. Many thanks for joining us this morning. Okay. There's Richard Hughes then with his take on. And I wonder to what extent that is true, Matt, that you've got the BHA who have. They'll say, OK, we've had jockeys on that panel as well who've come up with these suggestions. Yeah, but Tom Scoo was on there, who we all highly respect. I was stunned by his views, I've got to say, but we highly respect him. Inc incidentally, we should just say, Richard used some, some fruity language there, which, if you were offended by any of that, we, uh, we apologise. Um, but it just shows the passion. Look, yeah, yeah. The, the polls have been interesting. There was a poll before the Grand National, um, and... Quite a lot of seriousness has been taken from that. We've got a, we've got a poll up on our screen here. Do you agree with disqualification? That, that, that's not a great surprise, but the, the, it's kind of irrelevant. It's, we shouldn't even be anywhere near these kind of questions because all that should matter is horse welfare. Yep. None of this whipping five times, eight times, ten times, fifteen times, none of it should have any relevance. Horse welfare is what the relevance is, but it's, that, I'm surprised that wasn't 100%, to be quite frank. But there was a, a poll before the Grand National, and... People have taken quite a lot of note of this poll. In the poll, 71% of the 1,200-odd people who were, who were asked about it, um, 7 out of 10 UK adults know not very much or nothing at all about the current regulations. So a poll we are taking very seriously, three-quarters, effectively, of the people... Well, nearly more than that, actually. But effectively, three-quarters of the people in that poll knew nothing about what they were being polled about. And, and it's just extraordinary that we've taken it. Um, well, the, the, on, on numbers, the fact that this went out, they actually had paid consultants going out to try and encourage people yeah. to respond to the questionnaire. Only 2,000 people responded. That document is based on the opinions of 2,000 respondents, which yeah. is minuscule. So, we've got to go for a break in a moment. I'd like to just put what I would have done if, if I'd been in charge, yeah? Now, we all know that's fast school and it's never going to happen, but this is what I would have done if I had been instructed with this. So, I am now head of this body. Um, it's quite a terrifying thought. Yeah. So I would have sat there and I said, the only thing that matters here is horse welfare. Um, we're putting a lot of guidance on this 71% of people who don't know anything about the sport. So we need to educate. So what we'll do first, we will conduct a full and public investigation into whether the whip hurts a horse, which hasn't been done. This is all on the back of no science. I'd find science, and if I couldn't find science, I would explain to people why, after my investigation, we couldn't find out. Now, we know we're unlikely to get an answer, but at least then we've attempted to, and we can explain to the government that we've attempted to if they ever come back to us. Um, uh, it appears impossible, basically, to tell whether a horse is harmed or not. It appears impossible. We can use logic, as I've said. Believe in your product believe in horse welfare, explain to people about fight or flight, about the euthanisation, about the horse responding, about humans and, and animals aren't in pain if they're not marked. Very obvious. Emphasise the racing benefits. I've almost finished. Um, <laughs> the horse has a life. Without horse racing, the horse has no life. Jobs, government revenue, etc., etc. Simply have confidence in your sport. Yeah, yeah. The people who created this, have absolutely zero confidence in the sport they are running. And that, I'm afraid, one day, because we are playing whip Jenga, you pull out the pieces, mm -hmm. we've hardly got any pieces more to pull out, 
You pull out that final piece and the people at the top will have whip Jenga falling down and the sport will be over. Well, we'll find out what impact this may have on uh, the betting side of the industry when we come back. Simon Clare from Coral joining us in a few moments here on Racing Debate. Welcome back to Racing Debate. We're discussing the whip rules, the steering group, their 20 recommendations approved by the BHA and announced earlier on this week. But what impact will this have on the betting industry, particularly with the, the potential of disqualification? Simon Clare of Coral joins us uh, now. Good morning to you, Si. There he is. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Enjoy morning, Simon. Show. Your take, Simon, then, on what was uh, announced on Tuesday. Uh, look, I, mean, I, do, I do share, which may come as a shot, I share some of Matt's feelings that actually the, the, the whole narrative of that uh, announcement was frustrating in the sense I do think um, it, there's, there's a lot of lack of self-confidence, a, a lack of determination to really educate and inform, and um, mainly around actually the importance of the whip for encouragement, because I think we've always accepted you need the whip for uh, safety and um, to control the horse, um, but... I understand my daughter has a pony and, I, and she has a livery yard. And so I'm around horse every day, as all the people who work in racing are. Um, but these are flight animals. And, and, and to, get, to, make, to get the best out of a racehorse, they, so some of them, most of them, need some degree of stimulation to really quicken and change gear. They refer to that in the report, the changing of gear. It's, it's vital. That is why. That is how a racehorse reaches his best when it comes to racing. So without the whip for encouragement, you basically just have horses galloping along in a herd, and it's almost like which is psychologically most likely to want to keep running fast. You know what I mean? I mean, it's so fundamental to the breed, to the end result, to the reason we do this thing. And yet, I've never seen that uh, actively promoted and explained by the people who run racing in, in a consistent, ongoing way, particularly when there are the mass of, it, of unin, you know, uninformed, non-knowledgeable people who probably don't even think about it, but if asked, would say, of course, the whip shouldn't be used in racing. It's the same reason fox hunting got banned. It's the same reason, in many ways, actually betting is really struggling in the face of um, the affordability um, you know, measures, etc., being proposed. Because when you do, when you start allowing huge numbers of people who don't really even think about a, a, an area to express a view on it, you can be in trouble. Which is why these rules have sort of been toughened up and brought in. But at some point, you have to stand your ground and start explaining and educating. I just don't think enough of that has been done. And what sort of impact do you think this is going to have on the, the betting side of things, Simon? Like, you go into a betting shop, the, the thing you're expecting, or you, you're most likely to hear, is somebody standing there shouting at the screen, hit it. Yes, I mean, I think that's right. I think we have to accept that there are, there are a lot of people who put their money down and want to see their horse given the most vigorous ride possible. Um, now, clearly, across the world, every country does have uh, rules around whip use. You know, so I think for all, I think, Matt, you're, of course you're right about the whole debate about does it hurt you know, is it a welfare issue? But clearly every sport accepts there must be some sort of limit, and we have limits, and France thinks five strikes, actually, other countries more. So it, it does vary. Um, but I think we, you know, the, the point is, I suppose, that we that in in toughening up these rules, we, we what we cannot do is damage racing as a betting product. Betting uh, pays media rights, levy, bookmakers sponsor racers, we advertise on all the channels, ITV, Sky, etc. you know, Betting makes the world go round in racing, and that means the punter makes the world go round. So as long as he feels that he can have a bet and know the horse has tried hard and been given a good ride and has been stimulated to do its best, then we're okay. 
where we start to struggle is if that isn't the case, or indeed if horses start getting thrown out and costing punters money when they feel that the best horse won. And that's the, that's the interesting thing. I suppose the, the, the area of this which could be the most dangerous is the disqualification of horses. Because in most, in terms of um, the stewards' inquiries currently, the only time a horse gets disqualified is when you do believe that the horse that won didn't deserve to win. Now, clearly, a horse could win by 10 lengths in a major race, and if the jockey has, has gone over the limit by four times, that horse will be disqualified. In that situation, that would be very hard for a punter to understand. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose the Grand National is, a, is, a, is an example of that. So we really do need to understand uh, how this is going to play through. And one of the reasons that is we do pay double result. Most online bookmakers, if not all, pay double result. That means we do pay first past the post. And if a steward's inquiry throws a horse out, we pay out in the second as well. Because in this country there are actually very few horses disqualified, we can afford to do that as a concession. If the, if the, if the disqualification rules at any stage uh, were changed dramatically, bookies would probably withdraw that offer because it just costs too much money. So clearly we just don't know how often under this new regime will horses be disqualified. Because if, if it's not that often, punts will probably be okay because we'll probably pay double result on whip disqualifications. However, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. But as it's... Just to, just to say, Simon, I, I mean, the disqualification really doesn't worry me too much because I think they have set that high and yeah. I don't For think it will happen. It's so rare now that someone goes over by 14, you know. And it's worth pointing out that after Noble Yates won the Grand National, I've asked people how many complaints there were about that ride and the word I've got back from those in charge is a few, which is, so, <laughs> which, like... Is so insignificant that it doesn't matter. You, you get a few people complaining that you've woken up in the morning. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> there are going to be complaints about horse racing. We yeah. know that. So no one out there, no one watching the Grand National, really, in the great realms of statistics, was worried about that particular race. But, but Simon, I think you've said that absolutely the key to all of this is having confidence in your sport because you've mentioned betting. Now, I'll play devil advocate now. I'm a guarantee whip. Oh, well, you would say, you know, all you care about is having a bet. All you care about is betting. You're not caring about horse racing. And that is where, for me, the sadness comes into this, that it's so possible to be an absolutely crazy, mad, obviously sensible, but crazy, mad punter and in love having a bet, but still care about the horses and still care about welfare and still not want the whip used if it was a welfare issue. And that's where the whole thing has to come from the top. I, I can't see where else it comes from. Just changing the rules makes no difference. The people anti the whip, Simon, will still be anti the whip, whether it's backhand or forehand or fronthand yep. or, or big lob yeah, or whatever yeah. you want to use your whip, yeah. it's going to be, they're going to be anti. So it makes no difference. This tinkering makes no difference. Yeah, I mean, look, I do agree with that, Matt. I think, I think that the, the point here is it's line in the sand moment. I, I don't think toppling up the penalties, fine. The fact, I think the fact there is a threat to owner and trainer if a horse is if the limit's broken badly, is a good thing. Why should the pressure be on the jockey? This way, there should be no, there should be no disqualifications in major races because why would a jockey risk costing his owner and trainer a major race? He'll just think, sub that, I'm going to keep well under the rules. And so I think that that is where that almost extreme case it, it is a deterrent and is logical. Interesting enough, in the rules, it does seem to... I mean, the rules I've looked at for the penalties, it suggests that in standard races, it's a 14-day ban for four or to, to exceed it by four, and it's major races, it says, and the one I'm looking at here is, 
is 28 days plus disqualification. So I just I wouldn't mind understanding if that's going to be the application of it. If it's going to be just major race, and what the definition of major race, I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's just a, a, a sort of side issue. What I do think, though, is we've had, you know, everybody, we all talk about it. Jockeys talk about it. You talk about it, Matt. We understand. I've, I've got a right. I've got a racing whip at home, um, you know, uh, which is what I, for when I rode in the charity race, which I don't like to talk about. But anyway, um, you know, it doesn't. It is. It is incredibly soft. You can whack it around. We talked. We talked and talked for years about why racing should have stalls at race courses with the whip, so people can understand how they are made. That is in this recommendation. That's one of the bottom recommendations about education. But that isn't new. That could have been done a decade ago. I remember going with uh, Ryan Moore and David Yates and. Uh, back in 2011, to the to, to CMPs and a couple of other journalists, to, with a whip, with Ryan Moore there saying, "Look, we just want to, you know, we're worried about the way things are going, and we we want, you know, we want to make a stand." That was 10 years ago, and nothing's been done, and that really frustrates me. Rod Street and Great British Racing, they do a great job. I'm very, you know, Rod's a good man, but they're doing this big campaign about race going, fantastic, great, but actually, racing's promotional arm this should be a campaign this should be an ongoing campaign at all major race meetings to explain about the use of the whip for encouragement and to showcase what the whip feels like and that that whip still hurts the palm of the hand a little bit too much work on the whip make it a bit lighter because it's all about stimulation and noise it's not about pain simon excellent thank you very much and Simon touches on 2011. I mean, that's where it all started to go wrong, wasn't it? When they brought well, in an arbitrary figure that they've plucked out the air. You won't, people won't be able to see this probably on air, but this is, I took it off my email, my running order from Racing Debate 2012. Well, I was hosting. John McCrick was the guest. You'll remember John, of course, was a big anti-Whitman. Anti yeah, and yeah. we had John Reed in the studio, and we played out my feature that I did at the time from racing in Norway. Well, I went to Norway, and I watched Whipless Racing, and... All I can tell you is that it would be the end of the sport in a day. It was chaotic. The horses were running all over the place. None of them kept in a straight line. It looked dangerous to me. Um, and would you bet on it? You wouldn't have a penny on it. Um, absolutely. It wasn't a sport. Now, it was a spectacle. People turned up and watched the horses running around the field. So some people will turn up and watch it. But it was just the worst experience and made me so sad. That was 10 years ago, 15th of July, 2012, racing debate. 10 years on, we've chipped away, yeah, and we thing. will chip away in the next 10 years. Well, Tim Dredge is from the Horse Race at Betters Forum. We touched on punters, and uh, good morning to you. Uh, just wondering how you think this will go down with the ordinary uh, the racing fan and punter at home. Uh, well, as a body, we welcome the review, and we also welcome the concept of disqualification. I don't think it's ever sat well with us that a horse can break the rules or a jockey can break the rules and keep the race. We do have some concerns, of course. We have concerns over how it's implemented. We welcome the bedding in period. But what we don't want to see and where our concerns lie is stewards being asked to do more uh, to look at whip offences as well as interference, especially in big handicaps. We think punters want quick and accurate results. We know the betting industry relies on that. And stewards shouldn't be asked to do more with less. And I think that will betray punters' confidence if we get inaccurate or delayed stewarding. And the BHA looking to have more people watching races to give quicker, quicker reactions. That's often a, a big talking point on, on track when you get an inquiry. This can drag on for, for 10 or 15 minutes. At the same time, you've got all those people who had a bet, don't know what's going to happen with the outcome. Yeah, that, that's something we really do want to see improve, that communication to race goers, especially on course. We feel courses could use the technology a lot better, especially the big screens they have, the tannoy systems 
often aren't up to scratch, unfortunately, and just more transparency about what's going on. Uh, we believe the public should have access to stewards' inquiries as a norm, and stewards should really be held accountable in a public forum such as your own for explaining why they've come to a decision. And where do you stand on the disqualification issue that was announced this week? I think in theory we welcome it. Again, to repeat myself, we don't believe if a participant breaks the rules, they should be allowed to win. Um, but the devil will be in the detail and the implementation. What we don't want to see is horses keeping a race and retrospectively you look at it and it has it has broken the rules because the stewards can only do so much before the next race. And the optics as well of this, you say you don't want people to be able to break the rules and win. Well, they still can. They've still got four strikes to break the rules and win a race. Or three, I should say. Yeah, and I suppose that is a an ambiguity or, or something which is a little bit unorthodox within the rules. There's almost two boundaries, aren't there? There's, there's, there's where you lose the race and there's where you're in breach of the rules. Um, a, again, I think punters especially recreational punters, the joy of it for them is picking the best horse in a race and cheering it first past the post. What, what takes away from that enjoyment is if you think your horse has won and it hasn't, or equally you don't think your horse has won and you still get paid, but that excitement isn't there. And how much more transparency would you like to see on the, the stewarding and the inquiries that go on? I'm not sure. Trans I think we would like to see a lot of trans more transparency. But I think the main thing for punters is that consistency. There's a perception, rightly or wrongly, that stewarding is inconsistent and maybe the quality isn't there. Any move towards more centralisation of that, we would welcome. Yes, sir. Well, Tim, many thanks for joining us this morning. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks. Cheers for having us on. And that is, that is one good thing you could take out of the report, maybe, that he touched on there. Consistency, the fact there's now going to be a separate panel to enforce the whip rules, at least you're having the same people making the decisions all the time. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think the disqualification thing is, is going to happen. I don't. No, but, but even, but, even but, for the rule breaches, if they get referred to one panel and they're deciding all the breaches themselves rather yeah. than the race day stewards... Possibly, but I still, it still come back to me, Martin. It's more, it's about welfare rather than the rules. They can make up any old rules they like because they've got no evidence for what they're doing. You could just do anything you like, disqualify them after one stroke. I mean, it's like you're not backing it up with anything factual about the welfare of the horse, which is what it should be all about. Right, that was the whip debates. We're moving on to uh, discussions of regards prize money and the boycotted race at Newbury when we come back. Well, welcome back to Racing Debate, where yesterday at Newbury we had, for the first time in about three years, uh, a race that failed to have any declared runners. There were 13 entered at the five-day stage, but none of those representing 10 trainers were declared at the 48-hour stage, meaning race goes at Newbury were six races rather than seven yesterday. Well, David Armstrong is the Chief Executive Officer of the Racecourse Association. And uh, Good morning to you, David. What was your, your body's reaction to the... The trainers aren't calling it a boycott, but it, it was a boycott uh, yesterday at Newbury. 
No, we were very disappointed that that, uh, that did take place. And um, obviously, with 13 entries, you'd probably expect to get seven or eight um, declared horses and to end up with none was obviously uh, not a coincidence. Um, I think more importantly than anything, it highlights the importance of communication and collaboration at this point in time in the industry. We're working hard on the, on the governance review project. Uh, and in fact, on Tuesday, just two days before the boycott, um, uh, the, the members committee met and made excellent progress collaboratively working for, towards a new governance model and yet two days later this happens it just emphasizes to me the importance of communication if there's an issue with a particular race prize money let's get around the table and talk about it let's not end up like this david you can understand the the exasperation of the trainers though can't you i mean they've requested less races with more prize <laughs> money you as a body didn't want to do that. You wanted more races. And therefore, they have said, OK, well, look, we're not going to run in the races with no prize money. You've given us loads of other options to go for because you didn't reduce the fixture list as we asked. And we will just go for those other races. I mean, you've you've kind of made it very easy for the trainers, haven't you? Well, that's certainly not the intention, Matt. I mean, I think the, the, the race reduction proposal, of course, was about 2023, not 2022. So any impact would have been in the, in the year after. And just to just to be clear, our, our board reached the conclusion that it didn't want to go ahead with the, the race reduction plan that was on the table for many of the same reasons as um, the BHA did in terms of let's get the strategy right first, then make the adjustments we need to make. And our board was quite evenly split on that. So it was a close decision. But I do understand for trainers' general frustration at prize money. Every, every trainer I've ever met always wants an opportunity for there to be more prize money. And in fact, this year, we're going to see a record level of prize money of over £170 million for 2022, which is a significant increase over the last three or four years. So there's progress in the right direction. I don't think we'll ever be at a point where people think we have enough prize money. And there's been talk from the NTF and from Rafe Beckett this could happen again. I mean, is, is the race reduction plan something you could look at again if you're going to be threatened with these sort of scenarios happening on a regular basis? No, we, we won't be reopening that debate for, for the fixture list into 2023. Uh, the key piece of work that is happening at the moment is the, the creation of a, you know, a new, well, it'll be an updated and revised strategy. And you'll have seen the recent announcement from Joe Samara-Smith, the new chair at the BHA, Wilf Walsh and Charlie Parker, committing to bringing that strategy process forward quickly. And that's exactly what's happening, and that's what we're going to spend our time doing. David, do you think any Grade 1 track, there should be a, a limit? You know, there should be a, a, a prize money, minimum prize money level. For any Grade 1 track, there shouldn't be a single race, say, with less than 10 grand. Whatever the races you want to put on, if you want to be a Grade 1 track, you put on a minimum value. I think it's an interesting point. Um, you know, you've always got lots of things to consider as if you're a race course manager putting together your prize money. And, and indeed, there's you know, over £400,000 of prize money uh, scheduled yesterday at Newbury. So you'd think that was a pretty good day out. Um, but I mean, I, I think you make a point about what races, it's more about what races you put on a programme. Uh, there already are minimum values, et cetera, in place for different types of race. Uh, and I think the, there's a question also about what should be on the programme as well as having a minimum prize money level, you know, for a particular course. And you talked about 2023. Is there anything the RCA are looking at doing to appease the trainers, given their uh, prize money issues uh, and with the likes of what we saw yesterday? Can you prevent that from happening again? Well, I hope if there are issues where 
the trainers are unhappy about the one and an individual race, just as in this situation. There'll be an opportunity for more dialogue. Sit down, talk with the race course, understand the issues behind the prize money decision and see what can be done rather than resorting to, to boycotts of this nature. I think it's very important that we talk to each other. And, you know, I understand the trainer's point of view. You know, the prize money on, on offer for that particular race was not significant. But that's a choice for the race course to make and for the race course to then communicate with the trainers about if there's an issue. David, of course, Newbury coming on board with Sky Sports Racing soon, and, and that's been part of the discussion because we hope that means that allows the prize money to be increased. Um, but surely this is a very simple situation as we stand at this minute. If Newbury put on more prize money, there wouldn't be an issue, yet you are supporting Newbury. Well, I think I'm, I'm supporting Newbury and in in they've got the, the right to make their own decision about what prize money they put on. They also you know, are very open to talk to trainers, owners, jockeys, whoever they need to talk to about the levels of prize money and to explain the economic circumstances that, that create the situation they find themselves in. So naturally, we'd be supportive of Newbury in that sense. I, I don't think there's a race course or a, around the country or a trainer around the country that doesn't want to put on more prize money. And we're, we're striving to find ways to do so. And as I was saying, 2022 is going to be the highest level of prize money ever in this country. Well, David Armstrong, Chief Executive of the Racecourse Association, many thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Right, we're heading towards the, uh, the back end of uh, racing debate. Plenty of reaction to the whip. We'll return to that. And let me look ahead to next week's King George as well in a few moments. And welcome back to Racing Debate this Sunday morning. We've been discussing in quite good detail the whip review that came out this week and the implementation of those 20 recommendations. We had a tweet here, Matt, from Tony. Surely the best way to deal with whip abuse is not disqualification of the horse, but draconian bans for jockeys. The prospect of a three- or six-month ban would sharpen the minds of riders and make them fully responsible for their actions. Yeah, personally, I'd much rather have that than disqualification mm. um, because it has the same effect. Because the big jockeys win the group ones. It's not as if people always say, oh, well, what happens if the jockey, you know, only has one ride a month? He, he's not going to, he or she is not going to be winning the group one. So it, it, that absolutely would have the same effect and it would be a much better way of doing it. Maybe not three to six, I'd go one to three months. But even so, it would keep punters happy, it would yeah. keep owners happy, trainers don't happy. don't need to go down this, this disqualification. Oh, I think it's, I have to say, I think it's absolutely crass, crass. Well, we hope, hopefully we won't get there, but as you say, longer bans for the jockeys, even as it is now with those three strikes over that you can go up to, if you're going to win the Gold Cup at Ascot, oh. you'll take the three days every day, every, or the six days every day of the week. I, I'm only repeating myself here, but as I've said already in the show, it shouldn't be about disqualification, about bans. Obviously, none of us want to see the whip used hundreds of times on a horse in a race. It looks horrible. We've seen it in American racing in the past. It's not nice on the eye. But equally, if it's not a welfare issue then you have to educate to people. And that's very easy to do. Set up places at every single meeting and ask the general public in that local community if they are concerned in any way, come in for free and learn about how the whip is used in horse racing. If they're concerned, no one will turn up because the no majority one, aren't no concerned. Cares, no. Anyway. <laughs> Looking ahead to next weekend then, King George time at Ascot. We've got Westover now 5-4. to four. We unfortunately lost Desert Crown, that big head-to-head -head we were looking forward to. Yep. Not going to happen. No, Colin Keane, and here's a t uh, tweet from David Ramsey-Loch. Uh, harsh, the way Rob is riding, not good. So this is Colin Keane who's been keeping the ride, yeah? The, look, I have no... Every owner 
can put their own jockey on. If I owned Westover, I'd have kept Rob Hornby on in Ireland. Yeah. And the only problem I have with this is the complete... I mean, I have to be careful what language I use here. Um, uh, uh, just nonsense. Nonsense. But if you're going to be a racing manager and you're going to try and come out with a reason why you're putting a different jockey on, don't think that we are mugs. Because the argument that was given for the Curra was being turned on its head by yeah. what they'd done for Sarah. The argument of the Curra was there was going to be chaos in the race. No, there wasn't. It was a small field. There was never going to be chaos in the race. Uh, and you have to have a knowledge of the Curra. Really? One of the most open and galloping tracks in the world. And you think in a five or six runner race there's going to be chaos? It was nonsense. And Colin Keane's record at Ascot is well. what? Well, so they put Colin Keane on at the Curragh because of his record. Yeah. So Colin Keane coming back to Ascot, zero wins from 46 rides. Rob yeah. Hornby, five from 76. Yeah. So 6% Jub... beat zero. So if Jubmont want, if Jubmont, if you want Colin Keane, none of us have any problem with that. He's a brilliant, brilliant rider. But don't treat us with, like, mugs with your quotes about why you're using him. Just say, we think Colin Keane is better than Rob Hornby and be done with it. But don't look like you're just... Treating us like idiots. <laughs> and, of course, Emily Upjohn rerouted to the race, which is good, given we've lost Desert Crown as well, to see another three-year-old coming in. Well, she's in not definitely going to run, is she? But, but she might She's been rerouted to. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> the Irish Oaks was really poor yesterday. The King George, we all look forward to it. It needs some stuffing in it, like a good turkey at Christmas. So you've got Dottori... Looking for a, well, Emily John, if, if he go, if she goes, he'll be on that. But you've got Mishriff, needs a new pilot. Yes. Well, you'd think Dottori's going to be on Mishriff because otherwise, well, no, he'd be, be on, on Emily John. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Rob Hornby. I don't know. I don't know what Egan did wrong. To be honest, I mean, it's, it's he. I thought he talked about Faisal's horses really yeah, well. He, he came across well. I don't think he's made many mistakes. Obviously, the eclipse didn't quite go to plan, but that was because the horse, like Westover, didn't have the pace at a crucial stage and then ended up in a bit of trouble. Well, I think David as well, particularly out in the Middle East in Saudi and Dubai, he conducted himself so well, far in advance of his years, and I think it's to his own credit. So, finally, Martin, we're nearly at the end. Uh, BHA, you don't need to incorporate the, what, all this 96,000-page thing you've done. Rip it up, start again, get rid of disqualification, do some science, find out about welfare, and then bring something to the table that we can tell the world. Don't use fiction. And get rid of the numbers as well. They should have gone about 11 yeah. years ago when the first came. You, you can do this. You can do this. Racing debate.